Have you ever had one of those days where you want everyone to know exactly how you feel without having to utter a single word? Well, the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide store has a variety of products that do exactly that. Reasonably priced and in unisex sizes for all, you can visit today at epayne.me slash notmypastshirt. That's E-P-A-Y-N-E dot M-E slash notmypastshirt. Or you can visit the show notes underneath this episode for the link. Welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. After getting his master's degree and getting cursed out, his second master's in getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate in getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTech beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. Hello? Hello, uh, internets. Hello, hello. Are you ready? Uh, hello, internets. I'm trying to I'm trying to do something here. Is anybody listening? I, I can't really tell because I'm in a room by myself with a microphone. All right. Well, look. I'm gonna just get going anyway. Why am I so emotional? <sighs> Why? No, it's not a good look. Gives him self control. It's a terrible look. Deep down. Oh my god, it was a disaster. But you can lay with me so it doesn't hurt. Oh, won't you stay with me? Just stay with me, it'll make it feel so much better. I can't deal. I just need you to stay with me, please. I'm dying. Just stay with me. All right, all right, all right, all right, enough of that. All right, enough with that. Enough with that love stuff. Enough with that romance stuff. Enough with... Nah, I'm playing. I'm all about love. I'm all about romance. I'm all about second chances. I'm all about living life again. As the intro says, I got my master's degree in getting cursed out. I got my second master's degree in getting kicked out. And then finally... I decided to pursue my PhD in starting over with style. And for the most part, that's true. I live a stylish life, meaning that I live a life of grace, gratitude, thanksgiving, forgiveness. But Lord knows I didn't begin that way. Lord knows I didn't begin that way. Man, it was real raggedy. I was real emo. I sounded just like Sam Smith, except I was crying all the time, begging and pleading and wishing and wanting and hoping and asking God why and chasing away friends, even though they weren't really friends if they allowed themselves to be chased away. Yeah, man, it was it was messy. But sometimes you have to get through the mess. Once you get on the other side, you discover who you really are and what you're really made of. 
My life as a divorced man has been one of daily insight, daily adventure, daily hilarity, daily ridiculousness. If I told you some of the things that I've been through, you wouldn't even believe it, which is why I'm going to tell you. I've been on the internet for a while now, long before most people were on the internet. I ran a blog called Makes Me Wanna Holler, makesmewantaholler.com. I wrote for Black and Married with Kids. I got on Facebook when Facebook first was made public for the public and stopped being a college campus thing. I had a Twitter account when Twitter first opened and didn't use it for a year because I didn't know what any of it meant. I didn't understand how to use it. What was the point? Like, why would I walk down the street and just tell people what I'm doing? Why would I take pictures of random stuff and want anybody to comment? Well, here we are in 2019, and the whole thing is just one big old cluster. You know what? My point is, is that I have been on the internet for a while telling this very distilled, watered down, filtered story about how to live life to the fullest, to live with gratitude. I've spoken monosyllabically, monotonally, is that a word? I've spoken, I don't want to say holier than thou, but I haven't spoken authentic. And let me tell you, here's some transparency for you. I have hated every moment when I have gotten up and said, hey, yeah, well, you know, if you want to do better, then this is how you do better. Do better, number one, do better, number two, do better, number three. I don't care about any of that stuff, to be honest with you. I don't care. I don't care. I definitely want to help people become better people. But I don't give two hot dams about puffing myself up as some pontificator of a knowledge base. Nah, man, I have a story. God put me through some things or I allowed myself to or God allowed me to go through the things that I put myself through. And he had the grace, the wherewithal, the wisdom, the, 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 the love for me to keep me alive through them to make me strong through them so that I could retell those stories. Now, however you take these stories, well, that's between you and him. And my stories are from him to are from him to you. I am but a vessel. I was a person that he decided was strong enough could go through the BS to tell the stories, to make light of things that some people overdose over. But I had to get here from somewhere else in order to be here to tell you this story. So I want to take it back. I want to take it way back. I want to take it back to August of 2000, the year after 1999. Y2K was in full effect. I was fly. I wore Aldo shoes. I wore linen pants. And I wore sweaters in the summertime. They weren't really sweaters, but they were like heavy linen garbs. I had some muscle. also had a little bit of gut too. And you couldn't tell me, nah, I had a fade. There was still hair on top of my head. And I had a really teeny tiny mustache and the fledgling goatee. It was August of 2019. And my girl, Bernice McFadden, shout out to Bernice McFadden. This is the 20th anniversary of her debut New York Times bestselling novel, Sugar. She has also had the pleasure of having her books featured uh, on Insecure as props. And she's a professor at Tulane, I believe it is, in New Orleans now. 
She's living her best life. I'm really happy for her. That's my sister from another mother. She is uh, born a day, I think a day or two after me. So we're both Libras, Libra gang in the house. So shout out to her. She was having a book signing in Macy's Herald Square. And the event manager for the event, one of my frat brothers, I'm an alpha from Cornell, alpha chapter, quick shout out. He was not from there, but I'm just saying one of my frat brothers was her event manager. His name is James. You should check him out. James Powell, check him out on Instagram. He's DJ Power Zook. He, he walked away from it all, become a Zook's DJ, which I think is also amazing. So I go to Macy's on my lunch break because Bernice says, hey, come through. I'm signing books at Macy's Herald Square. I was like, why are you signing books at Macy's Herald Square? That don't make no sense. I mean, it's a book. I mean, it ain't a bookstore. Why would you be in a retail store? I wasn't the marketing person that I am now. I didn't know that you marketed to people where they are. I didn't know that back then. I worked at a tech firm up the street that hadn't yet gone belly up after dot bomb. And I was on lunch. I decided to take her up on her word. I was and I walked over. I ate entirely too much pizza. And I walked over to the basement of Macy's Herald Square on 34th Street. And I was talking to her. And I had been to pretty much, I had been to several of her book signings. So it was, you know, I was like, oh, cool. You know, there was actually a African-American bookstore in the basement. So I think they were hosting the event. And she introduces me to James. And she introduces me by my full name, which is Eric Payne. Well, it's Eric Leon Payne, but it's Eric Payne for the purposes of this conversation. So another employee overheard and went, what? And butt into the conversation. She was alarmingly attractive and alarmingly thick. I love thick women. Uh, curves in all the right places. She was the classic definition of what a brick house is. She had a Christopher Reeve curl. She didn't have a Jerry curl, but she had a Christopher Reeve Superman curl dropping down all into the middle of her forehead. She had curly hair, naturally curly hair. So she goes, your last name is Payne. Is that what I heard correctly? Did I hear that correctly? I said, yeah. And she said, my last name is Payne too. Oh, wow. That's so dope. And I knew it was coming next. It was like, are we related? We're not related. I am growing up in Chicago. I have met at least 10 people with the last name Payne and none of us were related. And we were just as black as we wanted to be. This woman did not look like she was from Mississippi, Tennessee, or any of those places. I knew we weren't related. It turns out that she was Bayesian, Bayesian American, uh, Bayesian being from Barbados. And one of the family names was Payne. And we were not related. We talked for a little bit, cracked a few jokes. But after a while, I had to get back to, to work. So I sized up and I said, hey, look. Uh, hey, sis. Hey, sis. Hey, long lost sis. Why don't we have a cup of coffee and, and try to see where we, you know, if we're really relatives or not. So she said, cool. She went to a register. Now she had told me, and so had James, that she was a uh, event manager in training and she was new on the team. She went over to a register, got a piece of notebook paper, ripped it out of a notebook piece of, uh, ripped it out of a notebook and wrote her number down with a broken pencil. 
And I was like, man, she ain't no event manager. She a cashier. Now, it wouldn't have mattered one way or another. Because at this point, I was definitely curious and infatuated. And she handed it to me. I looked at it. And her name, it was like all consonants. I was like, nada, da, and then nada. Her name was a little on the exotic side, a little on the Russian side. Beautiful name, but the way it was spelled and based on all of, based on my limited exposure to the world at the time, I didn't know what I was looking at. So I took her name and number and I pee-pee hopped on the escalator up to the first floor and then I ran outside and I'm about to seriously date myself I got on my cell phone I unflipped it and dialed my man and I was like yo he was like what I said what's going on he was like nothing I said yo what you doing he said I'm at lunch what you want I said yo I just met this girl he was like where what she look like so I was like man she thinks she got all and then he was like where I said and guess what he said what I said I don't know nothing about her. He was like, word? I'm in New York, so bear that in mind. I said, yeah, I don't know nothing about her. And he said, cool. Now, what do I mean by that? In today's day and age, you can go on Facebook, you can go on Google, you can go on Twitter and pretty much figure out who a person is in probably about 10 minutes, if even. In my, back in the day, what we did was we found out if the person was Greek. We found out what school they went to. And we found out, you know, and, he, and within a couple of days, we had some sort of report back on who that person was. I didn't know anything about this woman and she didn't know anything about me. She was from the Bronx. She was four years younger than me. I was 28 at the time that I met her. She was 24. She was finishing up her school in New York. She had been in school down south, but then she got pregnant, had a child, and moved back to New York. And I didn't know her. I didn't know anything about her. And that intrigued and excited me because I had an opportunity to get to know someone without any foreknowledge, without any jading, without any tainting, without any, without her and without the pressure of her being attached to someone that I know so that, God forbid, it didn't work out. I wasn't going to have to deal with a friend or a friend of a friend once the fallout began. Now, in retrospect, considering that this woman deeply impacted me for the next 15 years and continues to impact me four years later, it might have been in my best interest to have gotten some sort of reference check, perhaps maybe even a credit check, perhaps just an FBI verification. Nah, I kid, I kid, I kid. But it might have been nice. So here's the thing, got a number, talked to my man. We both got excited about the prospects of this, me meeting this brand new person that I didn't know. And it, but it was a Friday and on Fridays I have a routine. I had a routine on Fridays. I would get pizza, a whole pizza. I would go home and I would watch dinner and a movie, which was Turner on TNT. The next day I called her in the evening and she was, said she was on her way out to an event come to find out she was on her way out to an event with another dude but she decided that being on the phone with me was more intriguing more important so she never went out with the guy and we talked about everything under the sun we talked all night long we talked until the sun came up it was crazy it was probably the most romantic conversation i had had at the time 
So, you know, the next day I wasn't trying to talk to her because I didn't have, I didn't sleep the night before. Thank you for listening to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show, leave a review if you like what you're hearing, and let a couple of your friends know. Now back to the episode. But it rained. It rained all night long, and I wound up not really being able to sleep. And I remember I was standing in the window of my bedroom, looking down at the courtyard, and the whole time it rained, all I did was think about her. I was on some romantic, super mushy, funny how time flies when we're making love Janet Jackson type stuff. And I hadn't even done any of that stuff with her yet. Well, from that day forward, the next day I called her up and I said, hey, I was thinking about you all night. She said, yeah, me too. Who knows if that's true, but these are the things that people say to each other when they first meet each other. And the rest was history. We painted New York City red. We saw every play on Broadway because she had access to tickets. We uh, were all up and down Times Square. We were all over Macy's Harold's. I mean, not Macy's Harold's. We were all over 34th Street Shopping District. We were just everywhere. Everywhere there was a place to be, we were there. We ate everywhere. We met up in parks. We met up for lunch. We met up for dinner. And she lived in Washington Heights. And sometimes we would just walk. We would walk from Broadway all the way up to her house. Where she'd hop the train with me and go out to Queens where I live. I love being in Manhattan. She hated being in Queens. But the one thing that we did enjoy is that we loved being around each other. And we just did everything together. It was nice. It was really, really nice. The good times were really, really, really good. I mean, I was falling in love. But there were a couple things that happened very early on. That were not kosher. So the first thing was is that she said that no one had really valued her as relationship material. Now, uh, that's a conversation for another time. It probably is a topic unto itself. I don't know how I feel about that, right? Like, isn't that something that you have to decide that you are? Sipping on a little sip just to go with the mood but at that point I was hooked man I was hooked and I remember I was at this Hugh Masekela event when she said that to me and I was like man she's such a queen you were such a queen baby you're such a queen I am a king and you are a queen and you know it's all good because I'm gonna show you that you're worth it And I mean, look, that's good as far as lyrics go. That's good as far as game goes. That's good as far as even intentions go. But that doesn't make any sense. I can't, I can show you that you, what you mean to me, but I can't show you your value. You have to know your value and your worth and your station and your place in life. I can't, I can, I can demonstrate who I see, how I see you. But if you don't see it, it don't matter. I can love you till the cows come home, but if you don't love you, or if you are in, if you don't have the capacity to receive love, I mean, that person that's like jumping through hoops to show you how much they care, it's just a person jumping through hoops. That's what you see. One of the second things she said was that she had never really been faithful in any relationship that she had been in. I decided right then and there that as a human being that existed for 28 years with no foreknowledge of this woman, that I somehow 
was going to love this woman's issues away. Then there was one more red flag, one more cause for concern. The first time we had a disagreement, and when I mean disagreement, I mean disagreement. Like, that's red. Nah, that's blue. Nah, man, that's red. Nah, it's blue. She went off. In today's language, she went for my neck, my back, my neck and my back. She went for my whole life. Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on now. You ain't got to be. I don't know who you talking to, but I ain't him. Now, for real, what I meant by that, I wasn't like, yo, you can't talk to me like that. I ain't a man and da, 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 da. I literally meant whoever you are currently or whoever you're arguing with right now. I am not that person. You don't have to be that way with me. You don't have to be that way with me. Once she saw how much I loved her, once she saw how much she meant to me, once that she would see my worth and not be the way that she was. Now, critical to this story is this this stop off point that I'm going to put this little stop off caveat. When you're in a relationship, when you're getting to know someone, there's a honeymoon phase, there's a butterfly phase, but you should also be collecting data. And if things aren't jiving with you, you need to really make a note of that. If there are red flags that are popping up, you really need to make a note of that. If those red flags are catching on fire, you really need to make a note of that. Because those things are there for you. They're not there for you to fix. They're there for you to run. They're there to warn you. We live on a planet. We live in cities. We live in states and countries. There are more people than you could even imagine right in front of your face. Do not be so caught up in an emotion, a feeling, a desire, a need to conquer one particular individual that you overlook the fact that that person is dead wrong for you. Only meant to be in your life for a season. As my pastor says, don't turn a bus stop into a destination. Once you start seeing those things that you may or may not be able to jive with, you have to see and decide or decide what you are going to do. Either you are going to stay and be there or you are going to go. If you do stay, then you it's not about fixing a person's issues, fixing a person's problems, things that you find wrong with a person because what you what you decide might be wrong with a person might not be wrong at all. You just might not like it. But once you decide that you are going to stay, then you need to ride with that person. And riding with that person means working with them, living with them, accepting them, giving them grace, understanding them, hearing them, seeing them. The alternative is easy. You just walk away. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Our relationship moved very fast. We were talking about Falling in love, getting married, getting houses, having more babies, all of that, it happened very fast. And then it slowed down. And you'll find out why in the next episode. Today, the music you heard was by Sam Smith. Stay with me. It's a particularly messy song about what love can turn into when it's wrong or isn't love at all. Americ Payne, and make no mistake, divorce is a serious matter. It ruins families, it can ruin finances, it can ruin lives. Even if you haven't experienced it personally, the likelihood is high that divorce will touch you in one way or another. The purpose of this podcast isn't to make light of 
or to villainize anyone. We're all in some way responsible for the decisions we make and the actions we take. It's my aim to highlight the lessons in the midst of the messes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. If you did, give me an honest and fair review on whatever platform you're listening on and let two or three or four friends know who you think could benefit from hearing this. If you haven't subscribed yet, I mean, come on, what are you waiting for? There's no time like the present. Hit that subscribe button or subscribe link or send me an email so you'll know when the next episode drops. And last, but of course not least, follow me on Instagram because you know it's the gram. I'm Eric L. Payne. That's E-R-I-C-L-P-A-Y-N-E. Until the next time, keep your head up, get out of your own thoughts, don't overthink yourself, stay strong, and be strong out here in these streets.